Section thirty seven of The Life of Mozart, Volume One by Otto Jahn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Life of Mozart by Otto Jahn, Section thirty seven, Chapter sixteen, Part one. Early on the morning of September twenty third, seventeen seventy seven, Wolfgang and his mother took their departure from Salzburg, leaving Leopold Mozart far from well and inconsolable in his solitude. After you had set off, he wrote, September twenty-fifth, seventeen seventy-seven, I went upstairs quite exhausted and threw myself on a couch. It was with a great effort that I had restrained myself at parting, in order not to add to our grief, and in the confusion I had forgotten to give my son the paternal blessing. I ran to the window and sent it after you both. But as I did not see you drive through the gate, I came to the conclusion that you had already passed, and that I had sat immersed in my grief longer than I supposed." Nanerl wept till she made herself ill, and did not recover till the evening, when the two consoled themselves with a game of piquet. Wolfgang, on the contrary, breathed more freely as soon as he had turned his back upon Salzburg. The feeling of relief from the galling oppression of years dispelled the sorrow of parting with his father and sister. In his former journeys he had experienced nothing but encouragement and success, and had been shielded from all the harassing cares of ordinary life, and so he took his way with artless confidence into the wide world. He little dreamt that he had in fact made the first step along a thorny path, to be met from henceforth to the end by difficulty, opposition, pain, and sorrow. His mind was fresh and youthful enough to be diverted by all the little incidents of such a journey. When he sat down in the evening, undecima ora noctis, at Wasserburg, to acquaint his father of their safe arrival, he could think of nothing more important to tell him than of their having seen a cow all on one side. He had met a fat gentleman who remembered having seen Wolfgang a year ago during a performance of Mirabel. He was in company with Herr von Unhold of Memmingen, and they both sent their compliments to Wolfgang's father and sister. It is plain that the boy rejoiced in the feeling of freedom and independence. Viviamo come i principi, and want nothing but my dear father. It is God's will, and all will go well. I hope you will be well and as contented as I am. I am getting quite expert, and, like another papa, taking care of everything. I have always to pay the postilions, for I can talk to the fellows better than Mama. Pray take care of your health, my dear father. Their first stay was at Munich. The state of affairs there, coupled with their former failure, gave little hope of a prosperous visit. But it was necessary to make the attempt. Furnished with his diplomas of the academies of Bologna and Verona, and with recommendations from Padre Martini, Wolfgang might present himself before the elector Maximilian as a thoroughly trained musician, and might hope to gain such favor from influential patrons as would justify his undertaking new works. They took up their abode with the old acquaintance Albert, known as the Learned Host. Wolfgang's first visit was to Count Seau, the inspector of plays. He met with a friendly reception, and was advised by the Count to seek an audience of the elector without delay, and if he did not succeed, to address him by letter. There was no doubt that a first-rate composer was wanted in Munich. Wolfgang next paid his respects to the Prince Bishop of Chiemsee, Count Zeil, who was residing in Munich on a diplomatic mission. He conversed freely on Mozart's plans, and promised to do his best for him, with the elector and his consort. But some days later the bishop said to him, very politely, September twenty-ninth, 1777, "'I do not think you will do much here. I spoke privately on the subject to the elector at Nymphenburg.' And he answered, "'It is too soon yet. Let him travel in Italy and make himself a name.' I do not refuse anything, but it is too soon yet. The electress promised to do what she could, but shrugged her shoulders and doubted of success. 
these unfavorable prognostics were justified when mozart introduced by the influential violoncellist franz zaver Voschitka, born 1730, presented himself to the elector, who was on the point of going hunting with his court. He gives the following account of the interview to his father, September 30, 1777. When the elector approached me, I said, I trust your highness will allow me to lay myself and my services at your highness's feet. Indeed. Have you left Salzburg altogether? Altogether, your highness. Indeed. Why? Were you kept too close? May it please your highness, I asked permission to travel, which was refused, whereupon I took a step which had long been in my mind, for Salzburg is no place for me, that is certain. Mein Gott, young man, but your father is still at Salzburg? Yes, may it please your highness, he lays his humble duty, etc. I have been in Italy three times already, I have written three operas, and been elected member of the Academy at Bologna, after writing a trial composition in one hour which usually takes candidates four or five hours of hard labor. All this proves that I am in a position to serve any court. My greatest wish is to serve your highness, who is himself a great— Yes, my dear fellow, but I have no vacancy. I assure your highness that I should do honor to Munich. No doubt, no doubt, but there is no vacancy. This he said as he was going, and I could only take my humble leave. The elector being unable, as Leopold Mozart was aware, to engage anyone unless there was a vacancy, no court office could be looked for at Munich but there seemed fair prospects of an assured position in another direction. Count Siao had interest enough to retain so distinguished a composer, whose energy and productiveness promised good services. He was not only manager, but also part proprietor of the theatre. The elector paid the band and the ballet, and gave a yearly contribution of nine thousand gulden to the expenses, which was received by Siao. In return, the latter provided the opera and the play, and engaged the members of the two companies, chiefly natives of Munich, who were to be had for eight to twelve gulden a month. The Italian opera was only given during the carnival, and at great court festivals, and then generally without remuneration. German operas were the rule, that is, adaptations from the French or Italian, for as yet original German opera did not exist. What a brilliant success might be expected from the lively interest of the Munich public in all manners theatrical, if a man of Mozart's genius were to devote himself to German opera. Siao inquired of the Bishop of Kimsey if Mozart did not receive enough from home to allow him to remain there on a small salary. He should like to keep him. The Bishop doubted this. Count Siao preferred receiving a proposal and remained silent, but Mozart could perceive that he was turning the matter over in his mind. He himself was all on fire at the idea of having operas to compose. He gives his father an animated account of the impression made upon him by the performance of a German opera and by the vocalist, October twelfth, seventeen seventy seven. The prima donna is named Kizerin. She is the daughter of the cook and of a nobleman here, a pleasant girl and pretty on the stage. I have not seen her nearer yet. She is a native of Munich. I heard her the third time that she played, and thought she had a beautiful voice. Not very strong, but not weak either, and a pure good intonation. Valesi is her teacher, and her style shows that her master understands singing as well as teaching singing. When she had to sustain a note for a couple of bars, I was surprised at the beauty of her crescendo and decrescendo. She has a slow shake, which I like extremely. It is all the clearer and purer when she wants to make it quicker, and the quicker it is, the easier it is. She is an immense favorite with the people here, and I agree with them. Mama was in the body of the theater. She went at half-past four in order to secure a seat. I did not go till half-past six, for I am well enough known to have the entree to any of the boxes. I watched Mademoiselle Cuserin with my glass, and she drew more than one tear from me. I cried, brava, bravissima, very often, remembering that this was only her third appearance. 
The piece was called The Fisher Girl, La Pescatrice, a good translation, with Piccini's music, but with nothing original in it. They want to have a German opera seria soon, and they wish me to compose it. Among the wishers was a certain Professor Huber, whom Mozart had met at the Mesmers during his last visit to Vienna, 1771. They renewed their acquaintance at Herr Albert's, where the professor was a frequent visitor. He was the deputy manager of the theatre, and had, as Mozart expressed it, to read all the pieces submitted for performance, to improve, spoil, accept, reject them. This censorship was necessary, since the management performed all that was sent in, and was bound to put in study every native production. And as at that time almost every student and official in Munich was bitten with the mania for authorship, they were overwhelmed with trash. Huber must have felt it a matter of importance to retain such remarkable genius as Mozart for the Munich theatre. The wish, indeed, was generally felt. Baron Rumling paid Wolfgang the compliment of saying, The theatre is my delight, with good actors and actresses, good singers, male and female, and such a capital composer as you are. Of this, Wolfgang says, October 2, 1777, It is only talk, certainly, and talk does not go far. But he never spoke so to me before. Wolfgang played several days in succession, before Count Josef von Salem, the chief director of music and the opera, born 1718. He played a good deal out of his head. Then the two Cassatione, Kerschel numbers 247 and 287, composed for the Countess Laudron, in the final music, Kerschel number 250. You cannot think how delighted the Count was. He understands music, for he cried, Bravo, every time that other fine gentlemen take a pinch of snuff blow their noses, cough, or begin a conversation. I said to him that I wished the elector were there, that he might hear what I could do, of which he knows nothing. All these great people believe whatever is told them, and refuse to judge for themselves. It is always the way. I offered him a trial. He was to get together all the artists in Munich, and any he chose from Italy, France, Germany, England, and Spain. I would undertake to write against any of them. I told him what had happened in Italy, and begged him, if the talk turned upon me, to remember all this. He said, I have very little influence, but what I can do I will with all my heart. He had some intercourse with musicians, too. Consoli had met him on his entrance into the town, and lost no time in visiting him, and his old friend Becca, the flautist, soon made his appearance. Albert arranged a little concert, with a wretched clavier, alas, alas, and invited a clergyman, Dubril, a pupil of Tartini, with the idea that he was a good judge and a clever performer, but this turned out to be a mistake. We first played Haydn's two quintets, but it was dreadful. I scarcely heard him. He could not play four bars without mistakes. His fingering was bad, and he left out all the sospiri. He was very polite and praised the quintets, but... Then I played my concerto, clavier, in C and B-flat, in E-flat major, Kerschel numbers 238, 246, and 271, and my trio, Kerschel number 254. The accompaniment was fine. In the adagio I had to play six bars of his part. Last of all, I played the last cassation in B, Kerschel number 287. And they all stared. I played as if I were the greatest fiddler in Europe. October 6th, 1777. Herr Albert, who took great interest in Wolfgang, far beyond merely entertaining him, made him a proposal which might render it possible for him to remain in Munich. He promised to bring ten friends together, who should each contribute one ducat a month, or six hundred florins a year. It would be easy to get commissions from Count Siao, which would raise his income to eight hundred florins. "'What do you think of this idea?' writes Wolfgang, overjoyed. "'Is it not an act of friendship? And should I not accept it, if it is really in earnest?' There was the immediate future to be provided for. 
and for this he was assured that the concerts would begin in November and last until May. One was given in Herr Albert's Hall every Saturday, and then strangers came to the town. If he only stayed now, he was quite certain of an engagement. Wolfgang's mother thought well of this proposal, but his father, as a man of the world, had many scruples. October 4, 1777. Herr Albert's proposition is indeed as great an act of friendship as one can imagine, but though it does not appear to have occurred to you, the difficulty to my mind will be to find the ten people who are to give the ducat a month. Who are these philanthropists and lovers of music? What is their connection with you, and what services will they demand in return? I do not see where they are to come from. Herr Albert would scarcely be able to speak to them all without delay. Some of them may be away from Munich. For myself I should prefer mercantile men to noblemen. It all depends upon whether they keep their word and for how long. If the thing is feasible, well and good. It ought to be accepted. But unless it can be settled at once, you cannot stay there spending money and losing time, for no profit is to be expected in Munich, in spite of all their compliments and promises. He turned out to be right. The ten philanthropists and lovers of music did not come forward, and Wolfgang had to submit more than once to reproaches for his readiness to believe in fires of straw which burn up quickly and end in smoke. But even without such aid, Wolfgang thought he might maintain himself in Munich for the present. October 2, 1777. It would not be impossible for me to get on alone. I should get at least three hundred florins from Count Sial. I need not concern myself as to my board. I should be always invited out, and even if I were not, nothing pleases Herr Albert more than my taking my meals with him. I should contract with Count Sial, on the advice of my best friends, to supply him yearly with four German operas, some buffe, some serie. Then if I had a sera, or benefit, on each, as is the custom here, that would give at least five hundred florins, which would bring my income up to eight hundred florins, and probably more, for Reiner, a comedian and singer, took two hundred florins for his sera, and I am a great favorite here. I should become a far greater if I helped to raise the German drama by my music. Mozart had clearly some confidence in his own powers. He did not think it much to offer to write four German operas every year, and a salary of three hundred gulden did not strike him as being poor pay for the work. But Count Siao appears to have been too prudent to risk even so much as this, and Leopold Mozart was still less inclined to consent to a plan which based all of its calculations on future and uncertain profits, and would not redound to Wolfgang's honor. You might certainly manage to live alone in Munich, he wrote, October 6, 1777, but what good would this do you? How the archbishop would sneer! You can do that anywhere else as easily as in Munich. You must not make little of your talents and throw yourself away. There is certainly no need for that. Wolfgang's sister was of the same opinion. It would be no honor to you to remain in Munich without any official position. It would be better to seek one at some other court. You will soon find it. The father desired, therefore, that they should leave Munich as soon as possible. Fine words and bravissimos pay neither the postboy nor the host. As soon as you find there is nothing to be got, you had better move on. The good friends he had made might go on working for him in his absence, and preparing the way for a future position for him. He suggested this to Count Sial, as he tells his father, October 3, 1777. I have come to explain my affairs correctly to your excellency. I have been told that I ought to travel in Italy. I was sixteen months in Italy, and wrote three operas, as is well known, what happened further, your excellency will see by these documents. I showed him the diplomas. I lay all this before your excellency, in order that if there is any talk of me, and any injustice done me, your excellency may be able to set it right. He asked me if I was going to France now. I said I should remain in Germany. He thought I meant Munich, and said with a joyful laugh, What? You are going to remain here? I said, No, I should like to have stayed, and to tell the truth, I only sought service under the elector in order that I might supply your excellency with my compositions, and that without any personal interest. 
I should have taken pleasure in it. Whereupon he pushed back his nightcap. This, then, was the end of all the fine promises and honors. But other prospects were open to Wolfgang during his stay in Munich, which excited his liveliest interest. Mislivicek, his Italian friend, had produced at the carnival in Munich his opera Ezio, and during Lent his oratorio, Abramo di Zacco, both with astonishing success. He was engaged for the next carnival at Naples, and only kept in Munich by illness. He gave Wolfgang prospects of a scrittura in Naples, and wrote a letter on his behalf to the impresario Don Gaetano Santorio. Mozart, with his inexpressible longing to write an opera once more, wrote joyfully to his father, October 10, 1777. I have my hundred ducats certain in the carnival, and, when I have once written at Naples, I shall be in request everywhere. As you know, in summer and autumn there is an opera buffa to be picked up here and there, which will do to keep one's hand in. It is true that one does not make much, but it is always something, and one gains more honor and credit than by a hundred concerts in Germany. I am more pleased, too, because I have to compose, which is my sole passion and delight. Then, if I obtain service, or the hope of it, the scrittura will be a great recommendation. I speak exactly as I feel from my heart, and if you can prove to me that I am wrong, I shall be ready, although unwillingly, to submit. For, if I only hear the name of an opera, I am quite beside myself." But the father was not against it, and only thought that this interlude must not cause the main object of the journey to be lost sight of. He therefore corresponded with Mislivacek, but soon observed that the latter only mentioned the scrittura when he had some favor to ask for himself. In point of fact, nothing came of this proposal. The same ill success attended the father's effort to obtain for Wolfgang a commission to write an opera for the Feast of the Ascension in Venice. The impresario Michele Dallagata returned no answer to two letters addressed to him, February 12, 1778. On October 11th the travelers left Munich, and reached Osberg the same evening. Following Leopold Mozart's minute directions, they established themselves at the Lamb in the Kreuzgasse, where you pay thirty kreuzers for dinner, get nice rooms in good society, English, French, etc. Wolfgang was well received by his uncle, and contracted a close friendship with his lively cousin Marianne, which may have compensated in some degree for the coldness of his reception generally in his father's native town. In obedience to his father's strict injunctions, he waited at once upon his grace, the town councillor von Langen-Mantel, with whom Leopold Mozart had been well acquainted in former years. But Wolfgang gained little encouragement from this audience, of which he gives his father the following account. End of section 37. Chapter 16, Part 1